0: We continue in our our study of Paul's prayer life of the prayers that Paul wrote to young uh, struggling Christians wrote to young struggling churches and he wrote them with such pastoral care and Ephesians three is the one we've been looking at this week It's really about his prayer that they would experience God's power. I feel like this is so appropriate for us in the season that we find ourselves in, that we need a power that is greater than our own strength and a power that will strengthen us from our innermost to our outermost. So we continue to look at this prayer at sections of it. The The first section, we're still looking really at Paul's prayer, this direct prayer for power. And, and in verse 14 of chapter 3, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so part of what we we've got to understand is that that your prayer life is greatly enhanced when you have confidence It's not that you hide your doubts, it's not that you hide your fears, but something really happens when you begin to get confident and assurance that your prayers are, are reaching to the heart of the Father, but also that the measure of resources that he has for you are sufficient, are adequate. So, Paul is praying for the strengthening power of God, and he fully expects this to be answered in the lives of even these younger believers because he knows the, the, the source of the supply. And, and, you know, it's one thing to, to ask God for something, but it's another thing to know and to have confidence in the supply of what you're asking. And there's a real, I mean, there is a real benefit to praying in confidence of the supply. And so when Paul prays for this power of God to strengthen a believer in their inner self, he's praying with absolute confidence that not only is this the will of God for the believer, but this is the very resources that God wants to channel your way, that God wants to start moving those resources into your very innermost being, and the reason that Paul has such confidence is—he says it here. He says, "Out of God's glorious riches." In other words, it's not—it's not based on your qualifications. It's not based on your own strength. It, as a matter of fact, the realization of your lack of strength becomes uh, the point and the place of this prayer. I mean, you don't pray for power if you already have power. You don't pray for strength if you already feel strengthened. So Paul is saying that every believer needs to come to this place of acknowledging, I don't have the power to live the life that Christ is calling me to live apart from the strengthening power of God in my life. This dunamis power, in Greek is dunamis, this explosive power to strengthen my inner being. And so Paul is confident, as he prays this, of the supply and of the willingness of God to supply this. And the reason is, he's talking about that, again, (laughs) that God already has these glorious riches for you, that they're waiting for you. They're on your account. They're 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 stored up for you to access. And the, the reason is that this account was secured not by you, not by your faith, not by your love, but your account has been secured by Christ Jesus. Again, maybe this hasn't been as as uh eye-opening to you as it has been to me, but the realization that God works through mediation. That God being so awesome and and overwhelming to human beings, works through mediation. So we get the fullness of God, but we get it by being in relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. We, We are accepted and acceptable to the Father, but only through the mediation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, Paul gets this so clearly, he understands this whole thing of prayer being mediation and everything being media, every blessing being mediated through Christ. So he's basically thinking this, if Christ provided the pardon for my sin, has Christ provided the pardon for your sin? If I have been reconciled with God, have you been reconciled with God? Do you have the gift of the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit, the, the, the person of the Spirit indwelling your life? Have you been given the free gift of eternal life? Have you been adopted as a son or a daughter of the Father? Paul says, if these things are true of me, then I have absolute confidence that everything I need is stored up for me, all the power to strengthen me from my innermost being. Paul is convinced, and we need to be convinced, that all the All the sovereignty of God, all the glory of God is being mediated into our lives through the one who pardoned us from sin, through the one who reconciled us to God, to the one who gave us his Holy Spirit, to the one who has secured for us eternal life, and to the one who who made it so that we are joint heirs with Jesus and have been adopted by the Father. So everything of the sovereignty of God, and it This is actually, a lot of believers never, I would say never cross over this crisis of faith. And the crisis is this, is God directing all of my life for my good? Even the bad things, is he directing them? Is he allowing them, permitting them, even so that my good can be accomplished? Is God working his glory and my capacity for his glory in my life? Well, if you begin to answer those questions, yes. If you come to the place that even a hard time, God is working for your good. Even in a a time of weakness, God is, is developing in you greater capacity for glory so that you are prepared to live forever with the Lord in his domain of glory. Then you can begin to realize that every need you have, every resource you need, has already been purchased for you. Everything that you need for life, for godliness, everything you need for overcoming, everything you need to sustain you has already been purchased for you in Christ. Now, he doesn't just give it to you in terms of growing in your maturity, growing in your intimacy with him, growing in your faith muscles. He wants you to have these blessings mediated by learning to pray by learning to ask, by learning to open up your heart, by learning to be vulnerable, by learning to be transparent and humble. See, in God's all-wise plan and in God's all-powerful action, all the blessings have already been won for you by Jesus' death and by his triumphant resurrection. The work of Christ has secured for you every blessing. See, If you value what he's already done for you, then you will not doubt what he's going to do for you. If you value what he's already done, then when you come to prayer, you come with a confidence that he's not going to stop doing for you, that everything that he has accomplished, he has accomplished now to mediate the blessings of God into the circumstances of your life so that Paul, that little phrase, through God, you know, through God's glorious riches is telling us our supply of riches that we now draw on in prayer are as lavish as the benefits that Christ secured for us on the cross. And, 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 you know, the opposite of doubting him and doubting in our present circumstances, even if you don't understand these present circumstances or you wonder, how can good come out of this? You look at the cross and you say, look what Jesus has secured for me. I, will, I have trusted him for eternal life, so I will trust him in my present circumstances because what he secured for me is secure. Now that, you see, this is an inner evaluation or valuation of saying what Christ has secured for me makes me safe, gives weight your heart begins to say this is what i value this is what is important so even if i have to go through this trial or go through a time where i don't understand what's happening or i seem to have lost control i remember what jesus has already secured for me and i come to a place where instead of choosing not to trust him i decide even though i don't know how it will turn out i trust you lord well what does that do for you? Uh, Paul makes it clear in so many places that this kind of trust, that the supply for your life is there. It's, it's, it's waiting on you. That kind of trust brings emotional strength. It brings an inner strength that cannot be shaken. In a, in a sense, you see, what, what goes on in our lives is we live in a material world, a physical world, that is unstable. And even when we seem like we start to get our our act together and stabilize things a little bit, the whole, the world destabilizes. Um, My son is uh, owner of a, or a partner in in a couple of uh, restaurant type places in Nashville. And one of them, he he started five years ago, and it was incredibly, it, you know, it was a blessing because it was successful right from the start. And 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 I remember seeing him at Christmas time, or, or you know, a little before that. And and he, you know, he had a confidence. His his model, his business model, was working. All this stuff, but nobody could have prepared for COVID nineteen. And and here are these two, pretty stable. Uh, businesses that he had, suddenly he's scrambling to keep both of them open and and to, to make them profitable in some way and to be able to take care of his employees. So you look at things that look like they have stabilized you and something can come along in this world and it can destabilize you, you know, in a very short period of time. And what happens in in our world is is we live in, you know as much as there are different cultures and different traditions in our world there's still this pervasiveness in in United, in the United States and in our society of being very individualistic. And so a lot of times when the destabiliz- destabilization comes we don't have necessarily a strong big community of people that we draw on to give us stability. And so, what Paul's talking about here is, is how the riches, the glorious riches of our God become shock absorbers, become stabilizers in the midst of turbulence. And nobody knew this more than Paul. There were times when Paul was all alone. There were certainly times when he was the most hated man in the city he was in. I mean, nowhere that he went was he physically safe. Anybody could turn on him. Anybody could turn him in. Anybody could lie about him. And so Paul is not talking in a place from from having uh, a life that was totally stable and secure. He lived a a very you know a very precarious life. But he had this he had this internal. Stabilizer that he's trying to get across to you and to me that we need this power of God to strengthen us in our inner being because you do not have all that much control over your outer circumstances. And to simply draw on your own emotional or psychological or mental strength or whatever it is to face the spiritual warfare that comes against every believer is not going to do you must have power that's not of this world it's power that comes from the very throne of god it comes from heaven itself and it actually is rooted and grounded in the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit is the mighty power of god that is accessible and available to every believer this becomes a strong Internal stabilizer. And it's interesting, as I was studying this, this um, Ephesians prayer that Paul prays, it reminded me so much of how he spoke also to the Philippians. And he, and he used a word, it said, he said, you need to stand firm. See, when everything around you is destabilized, the call on your life is to be steadfast. It's not to it's not to shift and shake with the waves of everything that comes along. It's not to be destabilized by the earthquakes of politics or economy or health. But rather the the word stand firm in the Greek that Paul calls the believers to is a, is a word about never wavering, becoming a rock, a rock that that isn't destabilized now see in order to become that kind of steadfast stand firm sort of person it has to happen from the inside out and it's also not that you're you're unemotional numb unable to feel anything because because when he says stand firm in chapter 4 of philippians he then goes right into a heart attitude he says rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice. You see if you're numb to your pain if if you're not ever allowing reality to be something you process you know if you're always like you're always denying reality you, you really can't rejoice because denying reality will not allow your heart which is suppressing your pain and suppressing the negative things it won't allow your heart to be free enough to truly have space For joy. And Paul says, so Paul says, stand firm like a rock. Be steadfast, immovable, you know, unwavering. But then he also says, but don't be a rock. Rejoice. And at least for me, how I can rejoice in circumstances that I don't like is that I've learned to draw on a supply that I don't deserve. That's God's glorious riches for me that were purchased for me, that are waiting for me. So what happens to many people is all of us, when we feel destabilized, we look for answers. And so what what in kind of the self-help industry, I mean, there are some good physical techniques, but they're basically techniques, you know, learn to breathe, relax. Control your thoughts, you know, change your diet, you know, put some discipline into your schedule, whatever it might be. But you see, when Paul, when Paul is going at the destabilizing things in our life, he doesn't give techniques. He gives truth. He talks about, he talks about your identity. He talks about your status. He talks about who you are and what you have. And and instead of trying to find the peace within yourself, you begin to find that there's something more at work in your life than just you having a technique to try to breathe a little slower or a little more deeply. Uh, I love this, this concept that Paul says, your citizenship is in heaven. Of course you feel uncomfortable here. Because here we're eagerly waiting for our Savior. And every time we see this world destabilized, we realize more and more, come Lord Jesus. Because when Jesus comes, he will transform this weak body, Paul says, of our humble estate, and he will transform it in conformity with Jesus' glorious body. You see, Jesus dwells and lives in glorified, in a glorified humanity, a glorified human body. And we are longing for our own, you know, transition from this earth suit to that glorious body, incorruptible, immortal, not carrying around the curse or the weight or any disposition towards sin. You understand, salvation has a future aspect to it. You know, the past is that you've been saved from the penalty of sin. And the present is that you're you're learning how to be saved from the power of sin. But when Christ returns, we will be saved from the presence of sin. And we ourselves will not be our worst enemies anymore. We will Paul is saying in in Philippians 3 20 and 21 that we will be transformed into the same glorious, into having the same kind of glorious body as our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so what does Paul turn to when the world is destabilized? He says, here's your identity. Can't be changed. Here's your safety. Jesus is returning. Here is your security. Everything you're longing for, all, these, all this, you know, sadness in you, it's, it, it really comes from this one place, and that is you're no longer a citizen here. And you no longer want to just live in this body. And to please this body. But you are now being prepared for a glorious body, even like the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your citizenship, though, important in the nation in which you live, is not nearly as important as the eternal kingdom of heaven. And and Paul makes it clear. This is another aspect of how we look at the world and, and we look at other people is that we're not just here for our own tribe anymore. We're not just here for our own nation but we're a part of something that transcends nationality we're part of every part of a, a kingdom that is every tongue every tribe every nation and Paul says you see what really transforms your life what really transforms your thinking and your feelings is when you begin to understand that you have a hope that is certain that is without ambiguity I we, we have no idea what's going to happen in the next number of years. But we have absolute certainty of what will happen when Christ returns. That's what Paul is saying. He, he's saying that you're part of a kingdom that in everything it does, it gets stronger, gets newer, gets brighter. Our Lord is the one who says, behold, I make all things new. The one who sits on the throne mediates the blessings of God for you and to you so when you face instability externally connecting to his throne internally brings a stability that this world cannot give we're living in a place of decay we're living in a place of deter- of turbulence but we're not called to lose our steadfastness because the world is turbulent. We're called to stand firm in the midst of this. And so, what is Paul saying in so many ways? He's saying when you, whenever you're in need, you lift up your thoughts. You remember your identity. You remember your status. You remember your access, your citizenship, the kingdom that is getting stronger and newer and, and more wonderful at all times. You lift up your eyes. Yeah, you know, even as we look and, 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 you know, this is a period of time in which people who are, who are really committed Christians disagree on politics, disagree on who should be president, all of these things. And yet, we have the same destiny, the same identity, the same status, that our hope is not in the United States of America. We have a, we actually have a, a citizenship that is over and above our nationality. And all over the world, we have that in common. Every culture, every tongue, every tribe of believers, we have this citizenship together. Well, you know, I, I, I really think that God God is calling us not only to inner stability, but another way to look at that is peace. And this this is the promise of God, is that his riches are there to bring you stabilizing peace, equilibrium between your will, your emotions, and your thoughts. But this isn't a passive kind of peace. There actually needs to be a greater commitment, not not because you're going to get more approval if you pray in a disciplined way, but because you're going to access more of your benefits in a disciplined way. Paul prayed, in a sense, constantly in, in terms of in his passion and his emotions. He was always tuning his heart towards God. He was always leaning in and listening to the Holy Spirit. But Paul also was an incredibly disciplined man in his prayer life. So he had times each day that he went to the Lord in the discipline of prayer every day. Now, again, there's, it's got to be the understanding that it is not the prayer that gives you the approval. You already have the approval and you already have the resources. Prayer is the way you mediate those resources that are in the spiritual realm coming into the physical realm. And your prayers are the appointed means of God to bring these glorious riches that have already been purchased for you and to bring them into your life. And so, and part of it is by having a true discipline of prayer, it, it, can, it can do something very interesting. And maybe, maybe this is more advanced in a way, but this is important. If we live our life centered on our circumstances, then we are de-centering God. We are not God-centered. But you see, if we begin to both have passionate, uh, emotional leaning into the Holy Spirit, the nudges, the prompts of the Holy Spirit, where we're always available, but we also have disciplined times of prayer, whether it's your best time is early in the morning or you, you you know if you have a commute you use your commute whatever it is but you get some kind of discipline what happens is you have the track you have a pathway of keeping your heart centered on God which will decenter the circumstances yes these things are going on but they're not central to me you see by doing that you're allowing the presence of God, not just His omnipresence, but this, this peace-guarding presence to be the center of your life. This is why Paul says in, in, in Philippians 4, it says, have nothing to do with anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. You see, anxiety says, I'm centered on my circumstances. I'm centered on the results. I'm centered on the outcomes. And when you center on the outcomes, then God is no longer the end. God is no longer the goal. God is no longer ultimate. The outcomes become ultimate, and God becomes your assistant. And prayer simply becomes a means to an end other than God's ends for your life. And you can imagine the wisdom of God will not answer such prayers anxiety is saying, God, I have something I love more than you, but I need you to resource this thing that I love more than you. He's not going to do it. And so Paul says, have nothing to do with anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. But then again, it goes back to what we've been learning the whole time in this. Paul says, pray with thanksgiving. Even as you're making a position, even as you're going to God with something you need, before you, you know, even begin to pour out that great need you begin to get thanks why are you giving thanks because of what he's already done he's pardoned your sin he's reconciled you it cost him so much to make you an adopted son or daughter of god and if there's not thankfulness in that then that that is a that is a wicked kind of attitude towards god and towards prayer if in our prayer life it's always what have you done for me lately then we haven't valued what he's done for me ultimately. These, these things can change the way you feel about everything that's going on in your life. Because it can give you, Paul's talking about inner strength, evenness, equilibrium, where your will and your mind and your heart are working together. In verse 7 of, of Philippians 4, it's so powerful. And it says, and the peace of God will keep you, will guard you, will garrison you. But then in verse 9, it gets even more personal. The God of peace will guard you. See, that's what Paul, that's what Paul is praying for. He's not praying that you'll have such a strong heart, you won't need God. He's praying in such a way that says, with the external destabilization of the world and the turbulence in the world around you, you need the peace of God. That's what this power is. That's what the strengthening power is. It's his peace, not your peace, not feeling better about things. It's his peace, hard won, hard fought, fought for you, guarding you. But then it's even greater than that. Paul says, and it's the God of peace. Talk about being protected. Talk about being supplied. The peace of God from the innermost to the outermost, from the right hemisphere of your memories, your creativity, your pain, everything else. God's saying, I want to guard that for you. I'll guard it with my peace, but I'll guard it with my presence. Wow. See, there's such a terrible mistake that we make that we only pray when we're in trouble when God has promised by his glorious riches to guard you with his peace and he who is the God of peace will guard you himself. This is why so many of us, when we need million dollar answers to our prayers, we've only learned to pray nickel prayers. God has taken you to a place in this season where he wants you to learn, how do you let me guard you? How do you let my peace guard you? Because my presence will overcome every circumstance and you will be internally stabilized. And what Paul is saying in in this verse about his glorious riches, he's basically saying this, Jesus drank the cup of your sorrow so that now you can, in the midst of sorrow, confusion, fear, suffering, you can drink the cup, not of his joy just today, but of, of his coming joy which he's already won for you. I mean, it's simple as this. God, who so lavishly blessed us in his Son, has no less lavish reserves of power, of peace to pour out on you as he's bringing you into maturity and strength. The power to stand fast then, to say no to anxiety, to say no to unbelief, That power has already been secured for you. But it is mediated through prayer. Secured for you by Jesus on the cross. If you question it, you go, is there power for this moment? Yes, the cross has secured that power. But it's so personal. God wants to give you today his peace. Not as the world gives it, but a peace that comes from the very throne, from the very Trinity itself and he wants himself he wants his presence to be your peace to guard you so our prayer model for today is just simple just trying to put into a short way how to respond to such a glorious promise father today i recognize my account of glorious riches with you secured for me by christ as i pray and as i petition you i am drawing on a secure account of lavish supply. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.